What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to discuss, I'm going to do a little recap over what's been happening in the fantasy world over the last five weeks as we essentially head into playoff time here. And I'm also going to answer uh, a few of the the Q&As that we had for the um, Instagram sticker that we posted. And um, yeah, it'll be a solo pod. Just going to dive straight into it. Let's go. So last five weeks of the fantasy season, meaning weeks eight through 12, um, and I'm going to always, as I usually do, use half PPR scoring to really, you know, um, to kind of at least try and provide the, the most equal context or whatever to it all. Because I know not everybody plays in PPR or whatever. So we're just going to go with half PPR. I'll start at the quarterback position. And I really think that this is going to surprise some of you guys. But the top quarterback in that time is Justin Herbert. And this is, of course, in points per game, fantasy points per game. Uh, minimum four games played. I think that's the only fair way to do it because obviously some guys have bye weeks. But if you go with three games, I think that it just gets – well, you know what? I'll do three games played because that, I don't want to leave Lamar Jackson off this list just to be honest. Um, but anyways, Justin Herbert is the QB1 in that time, averaging over um, basically 23.5 uh, fantasy points per game. I think that would surprise some of you. At least that's what I expected. I was surprised when I saw that. Uh, and really it was because – he got his ass whooped in the, in the last game against Denver this past week, right? But, of course, he had that monster game against the Steelers the week before that. And something I've noticed is that the Steelers have been kind of getting their asses whooped lately, right? Like, I mean, it, it, you look at what happened to them this week through the air with Joe Burrow. I mean, it wasn't a ton in the way of um, in the way of attempts that way. But their defense is not really what we're used to seeing it be, I guess, is the, the way I would say that. But... Um, I mean, the last two weeks, they've given up 82 points. So take that for what you will. But in any case, if Justin Herbert, and I've said this, I said this before the season started and why I was kind of higher on him. I don't know if I was higher on him than most, but I think I was, uh, when I would acknowledge this possibility when I would talk about his ceiling. And that was the fact that if he runs more, which again, I think that Trevor Lawrence is in the same boat in the sense that with his, with the ability that he has, you want to use those legs. You know what I mean? And I think that those guys are similar in that regard with what they can do running the football. So um, Herbert had 90 rushing yards against the um, Steelers a few weeks ago. And then I think even in that ugly game against Denver, he still had – let me see. Oh, by the way, Herbert is the fourth overall player in fantasy right now according to on the season, according to Yahoo, which is what I'm looking at now. But, yeah, yeah he had another 36 rushing yards. I mean, that's nine yards per carry um, against Denver, you know, obviously even in a bad matchup, and then 10 yards a carry against Pittsburgh. I just think he needs to be utilized more in that regard. But, yes, Herbert, the top quarterback over the last five weeks, is a fantasy guy in terms of points per game. Josh Allen, surprisingly enough, because I feel like he had that dud against Indy in that time, so that would – you know, I thought would knock his his uh, points per game down, but obviously it didn't really hurt him because he's still the QB two, averaging basically exactly twenty two points per game in that time. Aaron Rodgers is the QB three, averaging twenty one point seven, um, and then Lamar Jackson, as I mentioned, just three games played. But the reason I wanted to include him on this list is not just because I wanted to confirm that I liked him before the season as the QB one, but it's mainly because this stretch includes that game against the Dolphins and includes a game in which he against Cleveland where he had four interceptions. It's just that's how valuable Lamar Jackson is. He had two of his worst games of the season, and he's still, uh, what is it, one, two, three, the fourth quarterback on this list. So 
you know, to me, I think that's that's pretty valuable. I wanted to leave that. I wanted to make sure to include that in there. All right, Dak Prescott, the QB five, averaging nineteen points a game. Kirk Cousins as the QB six, coming off of not his best game against the Niners this past week, but again, as I mentioned, Kirk Cousins is a mid to low uh, low end quarterback one the rest of the season, and I, and I believe that strongly. And honestly, with Dalvin Cook now possibly missing some games. I think that puts even more on on Kirk Cousins' plate in terms of volume. And quarterback is the one position where, you know, I think that it's still true that they're going to be better from a fantasy standpoint with a better running game. However, I think that just with sheer volume, and that's what we possibly could see a little bit of an increase in and without Dalvin Cook, I think that Kirk Cousins will likely produce, you know, uh, at least the same, if not more, in terms of fantasy-wise. So I think he's a QB – I think right around QB9 or so is where Kirk will probably finish this season. Uh, or I'm saying from now on, from now to the end of the season. All right, so then Tom Brady was is the uh, QB8. And then Stafford, believe it or not, QB9. Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback 10, averaging 18 fantasy points per game. And then Jalen Hurts and uh, – I'm sorry, 9 would be Garoppolo, 10 would be Jalen Hurts, and then QB11 – Patrick Mahomes. So again, if you draft, just like I say about quarterback and tight end, if you draft one of those guys in the second or third round, you need them to finish like you need them to finish QB one or tight end one, but maybe like I guess you could say, oh, if they finish QB two on the season, you can deal with that. But Mahomes over the last month of the season or so has really obviously disappointed. And I think anyone that drafted him in the second round or top of the third is highly disappointed i think your team let me ask you this or let me just say this your team has been highly affected by his ineffectiveness from a fantasy standpoint over the last month of the season i think it's been devastating for you if it hasn't let me know but uh i think that if it hasn't you must have drafted debo samuel in the seventh round and you must have hit on every you know mid-round guy there is but anyways uh jalen hurts the qb i'm sorry Carson Wentz the QB 12 in that time so Carson Wentz uh, obviously coming off that big game against the against the Bucks this past week which is one of his bigger statistical games of the season which would be also one of his bigger fantasy games so let's get into the running back position now so I guess I'm doing top 12 in each <laughs> um, I might do more or less in some I don't know we'll see how it goes but in terms of half PPR running backs over the last five weeks of course, points per game. We got Jonathan Taylor, no surprise there, as the um, as the RB one by by a full three points in that in that stretch. But three points, honestly, is to me less than I. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it's less than I thought it would be. I thought it'd be like five points because he's been that much better than everybody else, or at least that's what I thought. But I think I forgot about how damn good Joe Mixon's been. The guy that I've been pounding the table for for years, finally. As I was just about ready to say, okay, fine, don't you know, uh, give up on Joe Mixon, or I was about to give up on Joe Mixon, he's now over the last month of the season been absolutely going bonkers, averaging almost 26 points a game, 25.8 to be exact. So if you, if you drafted Joe Mixon in the third round instead of, uh, let's say, Patrick Mahomes, I think you've won in that regard, at least uh, so far in the season. Uh, the running back three has been James Conner, averaging over 21 a game fantasy-wise. RB4, Austin Eckler, over 20 a game. And then there's a significant dip in terms of the uh, points per game. It's almost a three-point difference here from the RB, or we got four to five, and that's Leonard Fournette, who has been awesome. I mean, there's no, no sugarcoating that. Leonard's averaging 17.5 uh, fantasy points per game. And then 
Um, okay, so the RB6, so I was making sure I didn't miss somebody. Elijah Mitchell, averaging over 16 a game. The RB7, believe it or not, Cordero Patterson, uh, averaging 15.8 points per game. And the only reason I say believe it or not is because he missed some time there. But, you know, even with uh, him, I think one of these games is a partial played game, and um, one of them he missed, he's still averaging 15.8 fantasy points per game. So he's been awesome. In, in uh, you know, I mean, really all season long. The guy's been unbelievable. I think if you – I really can't help but to wonder what if, in terms of Cordero Patterson, what if he'd been used as a running back or like in this type of role at least for his entire career? I think we'd have a real different outlook on what we think of Cordero Patterson as a football player. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, the RB8 has been Nick Chubb, averaging 15.8 points per game. The RB9 – A.J. Dillon averaging uh, 15 a game, 15 a game. He's played in all five games. And, um, yeah, man, it's been it's been good for A.J. Dillon owners because you got him in like the eighth round or whatever it was. So that's obviously been working out very well for you. And I hope you didn't drop him because, damn it, he's going crazy now. And it would probably be not that easy to get him back. Believe it or not, Michael Carter, is, uh, and even still he qualifies for this having, having played four games. So averaging 15 points a game in that time. And it sucks that you just when you felt like, hey, I can rely on him to be a solid RB2 the rest of the season, of course, inevitably, the ankle injury happens. And now he is, uh, I don't know if he'll play, I don't know if he'll play at least in the fantasy season, you know, for at the end of the season, but we'll see. I hope he does. And um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, so Carter's the RB10. And then the RB11, sadly enough, is Christian McCaffrey, averaging 14.7 points per game. I only say sadly enough because he's now out for the year. Uh, Dalvin Cook, the RB, uh, the RB12, yeah, 14.6 points per game, which is kind of lower than I thought it would be for him because he's played in all five games. And then Najee Harris would be the one after that, and Antonio Gibson would be after that, 13.9 and 13.8 fantasy points per game. And then believe it or not, I'm going to go a little further, Melvin Gordon, uh, 13.1 fantasy points per game and uh in that time and Zeke Elliott's down there too he's been the, he's been an RB2 over that time and then right after Zeke is the last one I'll go with has been Daryl Henderson averaging 12.6 half PPR fantasy points per game and so you know it's been uh it's been a good season for Henderson I I, I can't help but to wonder I saw somebody post something about Cam Akers recently just in, in the sense that he'll be you know back ready for next year but like if you're the Rams I think Daryl Henderson has one more year left in his contract I mean, it'd be in, it'll be interesting to see if, if Sean McVay just completely hands the reins over to Cam Akers next year or if, um, if you know, it's more of a committee because Daryl Henderson has been awesome this year. I mean, he's been – I wouldn't – maybe not awesome is not the right word, but he's been very good. He's been solid. At, at minimum, solid, but I think it's more like very good uh, as my technical descriptions of, you know, how, uh, how well he's been – have been revealed. All right. Wide receivers. Let's talk receivers. And, of course, it's going to be the now-injured Debo Samuel as the wide receiver one by a full – basically a full point and a half over the last five games. Okay, that's over Cooper Cup. So Debo – and the guy has only two catches in his last two games, right? But he's been converted to basically a running back now. And and it really is unfortunate for, for me, especially because I have him in my home league, that he's injured um, and he's going to miss, I say, a week or two because he's been – just the best weapon in fantasy football this season. In my opinion, Debo Samuel, and not just fantasy, but like 
in terms of just he's kind of like when you remember the young Tyreek Hill, the way that they used Tyreek Hill in the beginning, right? As a returner, as a they don't use Debo as a returner, but they could. Um, but you know, as a returner and as just a guy that we want to figure out creative ways to get the ball into his hands, Shanahan has done that with Debo this year. And he's been the top receiver essentially all season long, or a top five guy, I guess, all season long. So Debo has been phenomenal. And it's, you know, it's weird that now there are, I guess there are just haters out there calling him a running back. It's like, dude, just because a guy can do multiple things at a near elite level, that doesn't mean that you need to start taking shots at him and saying he's not a receiver. The dude had more receiving yards. I believe it was like the first eight games than any San Francisco player in the history of their organization. And by the way, Jerry Rice played for them. So let's not be foolish here in how we how we you know view Debo Samuel. Uh, but anyways, 18.6 fantasy points a game over the last five. He's been the wide receiver one in that time. Cooper Cup, the wide receiver two, averaging 17.2 fantasy points per game in that time. Stefan Diggs, the wide receiver three in that time, averaging 16.7. So uh, anybody that bought low on Stefan Diggs, um, I would say about a month ago now, well, congratulations to you because you really have struck gold. And I think that that's something that I, I can't remember if I put him in my, you know, in my uh, fantasy buyer sell list the last time I did that. But I think that Diggs to me was always going to finish stronger than he started. And so that has been true thus far. The wide receiver four in that time has been Tyree Kill at 16.6 points per game. So even with a struggling Mahomes, Tyree Kill has still managed to be a top four receiver. Um, let's see here. Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver five in that time at 16.3 points per game. And this is going to surprise a lot of us, right? But I think that now it's about what we do with the surprise, meaning a lot of times we get these exercises are beneficial because we look and say, oh, wow, this guy has been, you know, this good over the past month of the season. That's not a small sample size. It's basically a third of the season in some cases, or at least, you know, a quarter of the season. So it's not four or five games is not as small of a sample size as kind of some people would look at it to be because the entire NFL season is now 17 games. Previously to that, it's been 16. So um, anyways, Darnell Mooney, four, five, six. Okay, he's been the wide receiver six. The wide receiver six over the last month of the season. Let's just say it like that, right? 16 fantasy points per game. The wide receiver seven, Elijah Moore. And that's with him having his worst performance of the season this past week. Before that, he had been even higher on this list. So um, Elijah Moore is is doing his thing there. And the wide receiver eight, Devontae Adams, no surprise there, averaging 15 fantasy points a game. Maybe the only surprise is that he's not higher on this list. The wide receiver nine, Keenan Allen, averaging 14.9, half PPR fantasy points a game. Adam Thielen, the wide receiver 10. So look at that. You've got Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson on the t- in the top 10 over the last month of the season. That right there should tell you all you need to know about Kirk Cousins, no less, right? Like, I mean, that's that's why he's been so damn good because he is operating at two fantasy receivers, and he's done this really the last several seasons, and really ever since he's been in Minnesota, had two basically very close to, if not top 10 receivers, you know, on the seasons over the last several years. So whether it be Diggs and, and Thielen or now Jefferson and Thielen, that's been the case in Minnesota. All right, the wide receiver 11 is Jalen Waddle in that time. And Waddle has been extremely consistent. And he finally had that real blow up game against my Panthers, of course, you know, and um, so Waddle's been awesome, averaging over 13 a game in that in that time. Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver 12, averaging 13.1 fantasy points a game. 
And let's go a couple more here because I think it's relevant. Let's go uh, Chris Godwin has been the wide receiver 13, averaging 13 fantasy points per game. And remember, um, if you're for some reason your league is still doing trades, I would look to actually possibly trade Godwin. And the reason for that, well, if Antonio Brown's coming back, and the reason for that is because with Antonio Brown there, check the splits. He hasn't been nearly as effective in terms of uh, being a top what 12 or 13 guy here and then after that is hunter renfro averaging 12.9 fantasy points per game and you know what i'm gonna go a couple more because i think it's relevant again um i think this would be wide receiver 14 michael pittman averaging over 12 a game and then tyler lockett averaging exactly uh 12 a game over the last month of the season so i think that is important um and i think on tight ends here i'm probably not going to go um quite as deep down this list in terms of just like, you know, talking about the tight end 15 and stuff like that. But Travis Kelsey has been the tight end one over the last five games he, or last five weeks. He has played in four of those games. He's averaging 12.6 fantasy points a game. And here's the thing. Now, I always say, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, you need your either tight end or QB one to be, if you draft them in the second or third round, you need them to be as, as the tight end or QB one, right? Well, I think that at the tight end specifically, maybe even at the quarterback position as well, you could say this about you need even more than that, in my opinion. You need them to be the tight end or QB1 by by like several points. And that's what Travis Kelsey, really, if you look up over the last two or three seasons or whatever, maybe even more than that, that's what he's been. This week, I mean, I'm sorry, this last five-game stretch that we're looking at, last five-week stretch that we're looking at, Kelsey has been the tight end one, so that's good in that in that sense. However... He's only been the tight end one by basically half a point per game, right? 0.6 to be exact over the tight end two in that time who was available in the fifth round, uh, Mark Andrews. So, you know, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm nitpicking here. I mean, if you draft the Travis Kelsey, I don't think you're at nearly the disadvantage that you would be if you drafted Mahomes. But at their ADP, of course, I mean, if they fell somehow, then great. But like, I think that if you drafted him in the second or third round, I mean, Kelsey was going at like the top of the second round. So you needed him to basically outscore guys like Austin Eckler, or Aaron Jones or whatever, you know? So like, I mean, I don't, I don't maybe he is outscoring Aaron Jones, but you get the point. You needed him out to score, outscore Austin Eckler. And I don't think that's been happening. So um, 12.6 for Kelsey is the tight end one, 12.0 for Mark Andrews is the tight end two. Pat Fryermuth, how about a rookie tight end that was not drafted in the first round, not drafted fourth overall? Pat Fryermuth kicking Kyle Pitts' ass in fantasy. Who would have thunk it? Um, not me, but that doesn't make me a genius, even if it would. I think that no one could have predicted this because when you look at Pittsburgh, right, you're thinking, well, you got Deontay Johnson, you got Claypool, you got you – got, um, you know, Juju, of course, who's no longer there now. And I think really if you correlated, and I didn't really ever think of this until now, but ever since Juju has went out, it's really been the Pat Fryermuth has stepped up. So I think that, you know, in the sense that Pittsburgh needs to teach Seattle how to do this, right? When you don't have that third option, you make a conscious effort to get whoever you view as that reliable third option there in your offense to get them more involved. And I think Pittsburgh has done that since Juju's absence um, with Pat Fryermuth, or at least it seems like it, I would imagine is so. And um, Fryermuth averaging 11.2 points a game in fantasy, a half PPR over the last uh, five games. So that's solid there. He's the tight end three in that time. And then here comes George Kittle at 11.0 fantasy points per game. Zach Ertz, 10 and a half points per game. Uh, I guess we'll count Dawson Knox since I counted Lamar Jackson. Only three games played in that last five weeks, but he's averaging 10 points per game. Really, this is heavily influenced, of course, by his two touchdown, uh, 
last week's game on Thanksgiving against the Saints. Where are we at now? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, the tight end seven has been Darren Waller in that time, averaging just over nine a game. And then we've got Rob Gronkowski averaging 8.6. But, of course, that's been heavily influenced by what he did against the Colts. Had over 120 receiving yards in that one. Uh, TJ Hawkinson has been, I mean, I have to say it now, disappointing. I thought that him in the fifth round, him or Mark Andrews is what I always said, in the fifth round to me it made sense. Now when you look at it, it's not been, you know, it's it's been disappointing for TJ Hawkinson. He started off very hot. Turns out, in hindsight, TJ Hawkinson, after those first couple games or whatever it was, would have probably been a good guy to sell high on. However, he has not, in my opinion at least, not returned value on the um, you know, the fifth round ADP that he was drafted at. So take that for what you will. Believe it or not, Jack Doyle has been the uh right after Hawkinson. See where we got here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So Jack Doyle has been the tight end 10 over the last five weeks. Uh, And then we'll go Tyler Conklin and Hunter Henry, the tight ends 11 and 12, just averaging over seven a game, Um, 7.7 in Conklin's case. So I think those guys have been good, you know, just decent guys to throw in there at the tight end spot. Uh, But they haven't really been what I would call dominant guys, right? They haven't been guys that you can, that you're just super pumped about that you say, Hey, this is great. I feel super good about, Hunter Henry every week. I mean, look at this. Like, I and by the way, Cole Komet is down a couple spots on this list, but I think he's the guy that can finish strong. There's also Dalton Schultz, not in, the, not even in the top fifteen. Uh, but I think that as long as maybe one of those receivers are out in Dallas, I think he could have a decent finish to his season. But if those guys come back healthy, I think we're really, you know grasping at straws for him. Dallas Goddard, man, is is way down here, averaging five point eight half PPR fantasy points per game over the last five weeks. Not going to cut it for, you know, where, where what we've been expecting for him. And then Mike Gesicki, oh, my God. I've been starting this guy, and it's been heavily disappointing. So he's way in the 20s here at 5.3 fantasy points per game. I still think he could come on strong, but damn it, it has not been very uh, promising when you look at Mike Kosicki and, and Goddard from those standpoints. But uh, a few of your questions that I thought were relevant here is, one, do I drop Michael Carter? You know, I think that it's it's tough, right? Because roster spaces, especially in some leagues, are extremely valuable. Um, so I think that I understand why you would. Um, but it depends. You know, it just really depends. You have to take this on a week-to-week basis and see where he's going to be out or how long he's going to be out. But, like, I think that there's a real chance that you probably should drop him. Um, you know, it really depends, again, on how badly do you need a roster spot. Are you a surefire playoff team? Because I'm a surefire playoff. I'm a one seed in my in my home league, and for that reason, I'm not dropping him. Right? I'm, I'm going to say, hey, like, let me hold on to him. Let me see how this next two, three weeks plays out. And, and that kind of thing. But I think it really, if you're a team that's grasping at a playoff spot, you're really battling your ass off for a, for a playoff spot and you need the roster spot, I think go ahead and drop them in that, in that case. Do you think Cam Newton turns it around? Well, this is tough because, and, and you guys know I love Cam, so I hope that you'll give me some grace on this or some, some leeway. Um, here's the thing. Cam is in it. It's a tough ask for him, right? You're an offense. You're behind an offensive line that, first of all, is not very good at pass protecting, right? And they've been getting much worse. So uh, I wouldn't even give that 
you know, necessarily to Sam Darnold to the extent of what I saw from from them last week. They they were getting their asses whooped last week badly by the Dolphins' pass rush, which, by the way, is a pretty good pass rush. This is why I didn't like the Panthers' matchup entering that game. Cam is in a position where he doesn't know the offense, right? And he's hopefully learning, obviously learning more of that as the weeks go on and all that kind of stuff. But Cam is also a guy, and this is where I want some grace, right? I don't mean to sound like this is a shot at him, where he's been – a dude that generally speaking, when things start going right for him, he he's like a streaky shooter in basketball. He can catch fire and he can absolutely take over the entire league a la 2015 MVP season, right? However, if things if things start to go wrong, there have been stretches of his career where things spiral out of control. I think we saw some of that in that Miami game. I'm going to give him a break in that and in the, in the, from the standpoint that he doesn't even know the offense and he was tasked with a very difficult matchup, right, uh, against a red-hot Dolphins defense and a, and a very good corners and pass rush and all that kind of stuff. So when you look at it from that standpoint, like I, I think there's a chance he could turn it around. The thing that concerns me is, number one, they're not running him. Number two, obviously, he doesn't know the offense as well as he, you know as he would if he had been there all offseason long and offseason long and all that kind of stuff. Number three, you know, uh, I'm worried about the fact that he can be streaky. So with this kind of a start, and you know, in, in terms of a, well, he played decent. He played pretty well against Washington, by the way. But in this kind of a start against Miami in this game, I mean, five of tw- like that is dreadful, right? That's five of twenty-one passing. I mean, Jesus, you know, that it's tough for anybody to overcome that poorly of a, of a game. So I think that what we'll see from Cam, and also I will say this too, in, in at the same time, it's going to sound contradicting, but Cam has also been a guy that, that after an awful game like this, generally speaking in his career, he does bounce back pretty well. So, uh, so we'll see. I think that he absolutely can turn it around, and I think that there's a decent chance that he will. But I have concerns for the reasons that I laid out. Um, if I had to say, like, w- will he turn around or not? Yes, I think he will. I don't think it'll be to the tune of, like, you know, being a top 10 quarterback or anything. But I think he will m- have much, much better days for the majority of the rest of the season. But I do have concerns. All right. Uh, would you rather have Zach Wilson or Tua Tagovailoa at quarterback? So this one's, you know, to me is kind of tricky, right? Because Zach Wilson has been awful. When you look just from a statistical standpoint, he's been bad. Okay, he was, I think, objectively worse than Joe Flacco was the week before, and even then, two weeks ago, than Mike White was. Right? I mean, we haven't seen a Zach Wilson game anywhere nearly as as good as what Mike White was. Now, in that one week, he was awful against Buffalo, uh, four picks. But would I rather have him or Tua? I think I would rather have Zach Wilson, and the reason is this: number one. He hasn't started even double-digit games, I don't think. So you can't really, you know, uh, completely give up on him. Number two, just because Tua had a, you know, good uh, last few weeks of the season, I'm not ready to sit here and, and say that I think Tua is going to be somebody that I'm super excited about being my franchise quarterback. I would still, this offseason, or if I could right this second, if the trade deadline hadn't already passed, if, if I was, you know, comfortable with the, the Deshaun Watson case there, um, if I'm the Miami front office, I would still trade Tua for Deshaun Watson and, and I would give up three first rounders, like in addition to that. So just from a football playing standpoint, right? So 
when you look at that, I think that Zach Wilson, especially when you've seen, even though Zach has been awful from a statistical standpoint, you've seen flashes that that lend to say, hey, I think this guy could be who we think he could, who we thought he could be before the draft, right? I think that there's a, still a very decent chance that that happens. So I think that I would still stick with Zach Wilson, but I understand the question. And um, Tua has absolutely looked much better than than you know he's ever looked over the last few weeks of the season, and that's gigantically. Um, reason for optimism i think so that's i understand the question um i don't know this one i can't really answer this one sorry about the ravens defense i can't go back and look at that right now uh and then where do i go from here lost cmc and waller is doubtful waiver ads well i did a waiver pod yesterday i hope you caught that uh because i definitely would have went after chuba hubbard and then um you know that's tough man uh, you know I, I, waller's doubtful i know that's obviously a, you know it's disappointing because you that's a top and i know draft picks at this point in time are becoming more and more less or i should say less and less relevant but that's tough i think that um i hope you listened to the waiver pod yesterday and you know i think that it's just basically going to have to unfortunately be next man up you know i think that's kind of just what it is everybody's dealing with these kind of injuries right but fortunately enough for you we had a week where jamal williams was a high priority ad alexander madison was a potentially if he was available a high priority ad you know there were guys chuba hubbard etc cetera, etc cetera. Hill, hilliard from the uh, titans and all that kind of stuff and then even foreman so those guys were were guys that possibly could could carry the load for the injured cmc and then last question uh, what's the must-have snack slash meal for hosting game day? Well, me, I am a totally a meat eater, so I would say put something on the grill. That's my that's my thing. I'm not really into snacking too much. I don't I don't really um, I don't eat a bunch of snacks except for like maybe some fruit or whatever. So I'm kind of boring in that way. I eat the same thing basically every day. But I would say grill up some meat, bro. All right. Anyways, guys, I appreciate you for listening, and I will talk to you guys later. Peace.